Welcome back to the Mama Inspired Podcast. Whether you're struggling to become the mama you've always known you're meant to be, or you're holding that miracle in your arms, hear me now when I tell you that you are not alone. And that on the other side of this hard, a brand new life awaits you. Hey lady, I'm Sarah Wayne Scott. I'm here to encourage a more enlightened, compassionate, and empowered mom collective. I believe that through guru guidance, stories from mamas just like you, and a whole lot of momspiration for me, we can begin to make the transformation from messy to truly inspired. So swap out the breast pad, wipe off the barf, <laughs> it's mama time. mamas. So today I thought I would tell you my own breastfeeding journey. I have been really proud of the stories we've been able to share thus far and felt like it was due time to tell my own. And I've honestly been really excited to tell this story for one, to kind of sit down and write it and relive it, which I found to actually be difficult. There's so many details that I actually had to to check in with Cameron about and try to remember timelines. And it's crazy how there's certain things that really stick out and others that just blur, right? Especially when we're talking such a short period of time. And I think that one of the takeaways for me of this was, you know, even though it was so, so hard in the midst of all of it, like really, really, really hard. In the end, I really remember, of course, I definitely remember how difficult it was and some key like heartbreaking moments. But at the very end, most of what I remember are these beautiful moments with Miles when things finally clicked and when we finally had this bond and this breastfeeding connection that we had been working so hard for and how really the timeline of all felt so short in the, in the grand scheme of things. Miles was born on June 1st, 2018 via C-section due to breach. And what I'll tell you is I was I was really worried that my supply would be affected or that we would have issues because of, you know, my body not having the ability to go into spontaneous labor to get those hormones going. And I was also concerned with the drugs and how they might affect him and of course my own supply and things and so <laughs> in the days leading up to this, my friends in Kodiak will, will vouch for it. I really tried to start to, to get my body to go into labor naturally. I don't think my doctor was very happy about that in the end, but I just felt like it really was the best thing. So I was doing things like going on hikes and trying to hike up mountains, <laughs> not crazy mountains, but definitely long, long hikes. There was one in particular I went on and when I got back, Karen was very unhappy with me that I had been on such a tedious um, hike. I was so, so sore. But I went on hikes and then and then honestly, in, in like just the, the two days leading up to the scheduled C-section, I was, I did castor oil. I was pumping like crazy or hand expressing colostrum, which I'm incredibly thankful for now. We'll talk about later. And what else did I do? I ate pineapple like crazy. <laughs> And I actually did get some contractions started, but they were nothing crazy intense. And by the time we went to bed, they were completely gone. And so the next morning would have been our C-section. And so, of course, we get up and we go in. And I will, of course, go into 
my birth story another time. That'll be another episode. But I believe, you know, for a mother who desperately wanted a home water birth and really I took it very, very hard, the C-section, this major abdominal surgery, I think probably went as best as it could. And, you know, going into the breastfeeding side of things after Miles was born, you know, when he was put on me after, because it wasn't an emergency, I was able to have him on my chest and I was able to negotiate me basically being naked. So I was able to have him right on my boobs, right on my skin. And honestly, I didn't have the capacity in my hands because of the drugs to touch him or like I touched him, but to hold him or feel like I was in, in control of any of that. And I wasn't with it enough to try to latch him on my boob right when he was placed on my chest. So the first time he latched was actually about 20 minutes after he was born. So that time between, you know, when I was getting stitched up and cleaned up, Cameron, of course, was in the recovery room doing skin to skin with him. And then I got I got back over to the recovery room. That was really the first time that he latched. And he latched okay. Uh, you know, I have a video of this. The latch wasn't crazy good, but he was comfortable there. He just seemed, you know, he was just tired, which I don't blame him. That's, I think, as much of a traumatic event as that that is for our bodies, I think it's probably pretty traumatic for them too, to be ripped out. And, you know, our bodies are meant to do things naturally and go into labor naturally. And, and the baby has a, a place apart and has a job and all that. And so there has to be something felt by them when we interrupt this nature. Anyhow, he was really lethargic. And so I, you know, in the hours, in like the day or so following, trying to actually get him to latch on after that for more than like a few seconds, ended up being really, really difficult. And he really wouldn't stick on the boob. So in the few days following at the hospital, and I forgot to mention my sister Alicia was actually with us. She had she originally had come to kind of play her part as a doula and then be there for us in the weeks following Miles' birth to help us. Of course, I ended up having the C-section. And so luckily I had her because A, she's, you know, like one of my best friends and she was amazing support to have, but she's also a lactation consultant. And so, you know, we definitely try different positions to do different things to try to get him to latch, but nothing really seemed to work. And of course, when you're in the hospital and they've lost all their weight within a certain period of time, you know, there's definitely some pressure there to ensure that they're latching and they're nursing okay, right? And so we ultimately decided to try the nipple shield. We thought maybe he just needed something more to grab onto. You know, maybe my nipples weren't super flat or anything, but maybe they just weren't quite enough. And so we did the shield and it did seem to help. He would latch longer. But in the end, you know, I was I was just pumping really to get any kind of substance into him. I was pumping and collecting that colostrum and then putting in a syringe and feeding it to him that way. The problem was that, you know, while in the hospital, you know, the, the nurse and the triage was seeing what I was giving him because we were keeping the colostrum in the refrigerator when I used it. Because remember, I had this stash, which I can't even explain to you how incredibly thankful for, for that we were because I think things could have gone completely differently we would have gotten a lot more pressure to formula feed and that was already being threatened. Like, okay, if he doesn't get this much more or if he's not getting this, you know, we're going to have to talk formula. And that's probably 
one of the most dissatisfying things about my experience overall was this pressure, already feeling saddened and overwhelmed and, and honestly still coping and dealing with this this C-section and this completely broken birth that I had dreamed of. But then to have somebody really putting this pressure and almost making you feel guilty, like you're doing something wrong. Like if you don't do this, okay, well, I'm trying. Like there's nothing else that I can really do aside from what I'm doing. And, you know, speaking speaking about having to do formula this early on just was the, – the entire notion was heartbreaking to me. So I was – I didn't really like her very much. <laughs> Part of me understands that's their job. They want to ensure that the baby is getting what they need and they're gaining back. But I think the way it was approached was just hard for me to handle in those moments. And so I'm, of course, like I said, using that hospital grade pump. We're getting the colostrum. We're feeding it through some syringe. We're continuing to do that. And, you know, by the third day when the doctor came in to, to check us, and of course, we were able to have that like 48 hour appointment at the hospital. They, the doctor didn't seem concerned about him or his weight or how he was doing. He was still like, you know, he seemed like such an amazing baby. He just slept so much and was so just chill. And we thought, oh my gosh, this is incredible. Like we have this super calm baby. And so they let us go. She let us go home and my milk came in about like within the day after. And so things feel like they were starting to go really well. Miles was latching onto the shield okay. He was staying there. He seemed to be nursing. And then we went in for the first appointment about a week after getting home. And while he hadn't gained all of his birth weight back, I think he had probably gained a few ounces. My doctor, Dr. Pletnikoff at the time, who I love, um, she was actually due and she ended up having a, a C-section for her breech baby. So we had a lot, a lot in common. Um, and I really, really enjoyed her. My first, the first real appointment back to the doctor's office for Miles was with her. And she never spoke formula to me. And I honestly, I just think she really understood my goal. And I, I think that was, well, I know that was her goal as well, because she ended up having some supply issues as well and had, has somewhat similar a story. And so I think there was a shared common value and goal and really true desire to to want to breastfeed. And I don't think she wanted to create that stress for me and I'm so thankful for it. But that conversation that we had in the office and seeing that he hadn't gained back what they what they or what we obviously really wanted to see considering, you know, my milk had come in. I think we thought he was feeding well. We expected more. You know, it was enough for us to be slightly concerned. And so um we ended up scheduling a home visit with Heather who happened to be a, a lot the local lactation consultant with Kodiak Kindness, who I fell in love with. Heather was just, if any of these Kodiak ladies are listening and know you're and you've had a baby and you've you've met Heather and you've had the pleasure of working with her, I know you're like, yes, girl. She is amazing. And I was so thankful for her, especially after my sister had to leave. She actually came and did a home visit and she weighed him a few days. This is like, I think like a, a couple of days later. And also examined Miles's latch. And so she suggested a few adjustments. I think he had gained just a tiny, tiny bit, which I think was enough to like make us feel a little positive. And so we went with the adjustments and we kind of just kept on doing what we were doing. Again, still using this nipple shield, which I began to like seriously loathe. If any of you guys have used them or haven't, my problem is <laughs> that 
they would they would fall off frequently and you were constantly having to then you know unlatch redo the the nipple shield especially what your how many hands are you have right you've got one hand at least on the baby and the other you know for to you're doing this all one-handed and the nipple shield, of course, you would wash it and sterilize it. But every so often, and pretty often, you would have to boil it so it would like shrink back up so it would properly fit and it would stay on for a longer period of time. It was constant. I think every feeding, I was probably having to readjust it at least a couple times. It was incredibly frustrating. But at the time, I felt like we felt like it was the right thing and it was a good tool to use because, you know, he he continued on with it. In hindsight, I wish that we would have gotten rid of it tried kicking it pretty, pretty quickly, but we all learn again. We've, this is like a couple nights in from being home and, you know, we went through the usual cluster feedings with like really little sleep and the constant nursing. And it's already so hard guys, like those just things alone, being a new parent, figuring all those things out, being exhausted, not having any sleep. And then even though, even let's say, even if you know, cluster feeding is a thing <laughs> to, to be dealing with it, it, you're so, it's so confusing. It's like, you just ate. It's like, how is it possible that you're hungry and you're so tired that every time you're having to relatch and it's again at night with <laughs> like a nipple shield, it's so, so tiring. And I remember, I remember waking up one morning after one of those really, really long nights and just bawling to my sister in the rocking chair that we had in the living room. And I remember her eyes and just a little bit of a smile, like, I know, and it's totally normal. And honestly, there's more to come. And I really loved and, and admired the honesty and just, you know, even if somebody doesn't say a lot back to you in moments like that, just the the relatable emotions and those eyes of like, you know, I'm sorry and I feel you and I wish there were more I could do for you to help you on that. But, you know, this is just what we, what we mamas go through. My sister ended up leaving around the two week mark-ish. I, I think it might've been a little bit before. And so if you remember, we had gone to the doctor's office for that first appointment about a week after Miles was born. And then a couple of days later, we did that way. And so she left and I, we were, I was really sad to see her go, but again, I felt like things were going okay. And so it felt like an okay time for her to be gone. So unfortunately, <laughs> once she left, the worst part of our breastfeeding days came. And so what we didn't know was that Miles was starving. We had gone to visit Miss Heather a few days later again, but this time at her office. And this time we decided to do a before and after way to see what he was transferring and at this point, we weren't really thinking that there was any issues there. And I had sat there and I had nursed for at least 20 minutes. And when we weighed him, he basically, like the weight didn't, basically didn't change. So it wasn't transferring enough. We had the conversations of, you know, he, they have to work harder at the breast. And so whatever he could be getting, he's burning off and... But either way, the conclusion was that he wasn't transferring and he wasn't getting milk and it explained a lot. And I can't really explain the emotion I felt in that room and because I couldn't believe it this entire time that my baby was starving and I had no idea. And I couldn't believe my sister had just left. And what in the heck? And what was I going to do? 
Heather was amazing and she essentially just worked a plan out with me. And the plan was to try and get rid of the shield. And her opinion on the shield was that they can be really serving, but we want to get rid of them as soon as possible. And looking back on it, I do think that it potentially could have had some kind of interference with the transfer, but either way, it it inhibited me, I think, to really feel exactly how his latch felt and what he was doing. And there, I think there were things probably from the very beginning, knowing our story, and again, we'll get into it, knowing our story now that I probably would have been able to catch on to beforehand, before we got to this point. So to try to get rid of the shield, to get him to go on the breast without the shield, and I was to pump and to bottle feed. And so that's what I did. Um, But I won't lie that (laughs) I went into like full panic mode and I feel like I just cried for like an entire day and I would look at him and I just, the guilt would completely crush me. I remember examining his little body and he was just, you know, when Miles was born, he was seven pounds, 13 ounces. He obviously lost some of that weight and I can't remember all the specifics of the weight now, the numbers, but he was never chubby. He was never a chubby baby and you'll see pictures I'll post when we did our like home session with him and you can just see how skinny he was and the way his skin looked like when his little skinny body you know he didn't have those chubby rolls that I think a, a lot of us expect or see with brand new little babies but you know I just I think I was really confused and in shock and I felt like I had completely failed him and I was upset that somehow I didn't see the signs and I think I was upset too that my sister didn't see the signs but again there were so many signs the opposite way where we felt like things were going well you know I she and I would talk about this and I would look out for it you know listening in for those swallowing sounds and I I thought that's what I was hearing or what I saw but you know now it's I'm thinking Okay, so that must have just been saliva, right? He just must have been sucking for a period of time and it was saliva. It wasn't actually milk. He was basically working off anything he consumed. And I also just was wondering to myself, how is it possible that he even wants or is happy to be at the breast? I remember thinking that, like, if he's not getting any food, how is he not telling us in other ways? And the answer to that was one. He was starving and he was really tired and he didn't have the energy, most likely. And, you know, the other part of this, guys, is, and this is something I think worth mentioning, that he loved being at the breast still because breastfeeding isn't just about food, right? It's comfort. It's keeping them close. It was another side of nurturing and and nourishing in a way. So anyway, I went home from that appointment and, of course, called my sister and was bawling my eyes out and told her about the appointment and with Heather and about and about my pumping session that I had just had. So when I had gotten home, of course, I immediately went to the pump to see a what I could get get for my boobs ASAP to give to him because I knew he needed it. And I quickly learned that my supply had like completely tanked. I can't remember now how much was in there that first time around, but. I'll venture to say it was probably like not even half an ounce each boob. And my 
right boob produced less than my left boob did. So I feel like it was like half an ounce on one boob. And then on the right boob, it was like probably a quarter of an ounce or something. You guys, so little, like such little. I don't even know if a half an ounce is accurate. It was just like nothing. And my boobs didn't really feel incredibly full. And so after talking to my sister, we made a plan to really just pump my ever-loving heart out. I was power pumping to mimic cluster feedings. And then, of course, whatever we got, we were feeding him the bottle. And I still continued to, to nurse him with the shield in hopes of trying to get rid of that shield like Heather and I had talked about, you know, in an effort to get a better lap transfer and see maybe what was going on. And also to help bump supply more efficiently, right? Because babies typically do a more efficient job of extracting the milk versus a pump does. And, you know, I was definitely thinking that, like, maybe my body just isn't, like, responding to the pump. Maybe my supply is really not that bad. But, you know, I wanted to keep nursing. I wanted to make sure that we still had that. I knew that it would be a battle to get away from, if we had to get away from it, to go back to the breast. And I didn't want that to be an additional issue. And honestly, I didn't want to live my life at the pump. I knew that's not what I wanted because it was stressful. So in addition to the cluster feedings, I also coupled that with, you know, millions of other things that I read online to help boost my supply. I pump, I drink, drank loads of mama teas, tinctures. I ate lots of oatmeal. I can't even remember now what I did with brewer's yeast. I feel like maybe I put it in the oatmeal or shakes or something, but lots of brewer's yeast. It was incredibly intense time where I felt like I was throwing a million things out at to try to get my supply up. And I would try to nurse Miles and then I would pump and then Cam would pace bottle feed him because he was still off, thank God, during this time. And I would go back to pumping pretty much almost right away. I mean, it felt like there was no time in between any of this. I would, and, and you guys, I was doing this every two hours. But in between all of that, again, there's no time. And a lot of times because I was so motivated to to make this work and to pump my supply up as soon as I could and as quickly as I could. I would also do like these power pumping, right, to mimic the cluster feedings. I would do them like multiple times a day. So in between these two hours where I would nurse and then pump and then feed miles a bottle, I would do these power pumping sessions. And when I had the opportunity to lay down and to rest, which felt like not very often at all, I couldn't sleep because I couldn't shut my mind off from worrying about miles and feeling anxious about it and stressed about it and constantly thinking about my supply and constantly thinking about was miles getting enough food? Could we see any changes in him? You know, we're having to wake him up a lot to nurse because he would be sleeping and I just wasn't sleeping. I mean, we're talking like it felt like days of just not sleeping. You know, I would lay down and just lay there. Like I could not shut my mind off to get any rest. It just felt like there was always this goal that I needed to be working towards. And so I just wasn't allowing myself any, any rest, even though I, 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 I do think I knew at the time it's really what I needed. So then probably a little less than a week of this, um, maybe five days, five, six days, we were due for our next appointment with the doctor. And I remember this appointment really vividly. So my doctor, Dr. Plutnikoff, wasn't available. I think she might have actually been getting ready to have her cesarean. And so she wasn't there. 
And there was this traveling doctor, I, I'm assuming that was kind of filling in since Dr. Putnikoff would be gone for a while, who ended up meeting with me and actually ended up being a nurse that I had never met before. And I remember already walking into this appointment and I was just so incredibly exhausted and drained. I was really anxious, I think, to see if what we were doing was starting to pay off, but I was really, really scared that we were going to get more bad news because I was just this constant worry and fret. And, you know, I think I was already a little upset and hurt and scared the fact that I was going to be going into such a vulnerable place with a doctor that I had never met before. And I had no idea what her take was going to be on any of this and what was going to happen. We get into this appointment. Of course, you got to strip him down naked. We do that and we weigh him. And, you know, he had gained some weight, but it was, still wasn't back to his birth weight. And honestly, I can't remember how much it was. It was enough that I think we, I remember inside, fe- like feeling slightly relieved. Okay, whew, that kind of seemed to work. But again, we're a three and a half, we're at like the three and a half week mark, which is beyond what doctors are comfortable with in regards to the baby gaining the birth weight back. And so the doc told me pretty straightforwardly that we needed to pick up some formula and we needed to begin supplementing. And I completely broke down. I mean, I was, I was, I was uncontrollably crying and I, I, I couldn't even talk. I couldn't even get a coherent word out because I remember not even being able to like look up at this doctor. I was completely crushed. And they did end up giving us a moment. I remember that. (laughs) But there was really no getting a hold of myself. I just, I couldn't speak through my cry. And I couldn't believe that this is where we were sitting after all of these days of everything we were just working so hard for. And, you know, my worst fear honestly was coming true. And so the doctor comes back in and she's, of course, reassuring me that it's okay and that her kids were formula fed. But you know, that ultimately we needed to nourish Miles. And so she directed us to head to Walmart after the appointment and pick up the formula. After the doc left, the nurse actually came back in and she happened to be like a, I always say this wrong, naturopath. She was an herbal healer and she expressed that she actually um, could potentially provide us something that might reduce some stress and anxiety so that I could sleep. And I remember her being really kind, but also straightforward of, honey, you like, you really need to sleep. I can tell that you're not sleeping and I can tell that you're really, you know, like you're stressed out. And I think I was probably able to get squeak out like a few words to her. Like, yeah, I mean, I can't sleep because I can't concentrate on anything else than, than this. And so she felt like she had something that would calm my mind before I would take a nap, lay down so that I could sleep and that that would directly affect my supply and so she offered this tincture to us and Cameron ended up going to get it a little bit later in that day after the appointment. And I was thankful for her. Anyhow, so we left that appointment. I, of course, texted Heather pretty much immediately once we got in the car. And of course, my sister too. And then by the time we got home, which we're really, really close to the doctor's office. By the time we got home, I was able to speak coherently. So I was able to calm down and I kind of just went into an action mode. And so I sat in the car Cameron and I both in the driveway with Heather on speakerphone. And at this point, we hadn't made any kind of decision. So we hadn't gone to Walmart, which is just as close as the house was, to purchase the formula because we hadn't made this decision. And I didn't want to do that. So when I was on the phone with Heather, we started discussing donor milk. And while they there really isn't a ton of resources available on the island, 
Heather and and also Heather couldn't really make this decision for us. So she provided us, you know, kind of some brief pros and cons and laying out potential risks and things, of course, that's kind of her duty, and then sent us off to make our own educated and heartful decision. And then I called my sister shortly afterwards and we chatted on the whole thing further. Again, she's a lactation consultant, so she could speak to me from that view, but also as a sister. And she sent me a few more Reese's for us to look into and, and make a decision. And we decided to give that a shot before buying any formula. So before I move on, I really want to stop here and just say that hopefully one of the takeaways that you guys have made in this breastfeeding series is to remember and to acknowledge that breastfeeding is is such a huge part of our motherhood journey and learning to mother and finding our own path in mothering and and finding our, our own groove <laughs> and learning to listen to what feels right for not only your baby, but for you and for your family. And, you know, for some, for many, the right decision here would have been to just go buy the, the damn formula. And, you know, there's so many factors that impact this. I had a lot of support. Cameron was still off of work. And honestly, I had Heather and I had Alicia and I had an amazing group of friends around me. And I felt supported enough and I wanted this so bad that I just wasn't ready to give up on my boobs and on the avenue of donor milk. And so I wanted to to really explore that. So I just want to say that formula at this point and in our journey just wasn't the right decision for me and my family. It's not, it's not something I was ready for or ready to, to, to do. And I suppose too, a lot of why it was so important looking back aside from just feeling really passionate about breastfeeding was that I felt like I had already lost my birth, (laughs) like this birth story. And so I felt like if I couldn't have that, I was going to have breastfeeding and it was going to be beautiful. And I was going to have those moments that I dreamed about with my child. And so what I did after that was I ended up putting a post on Facebook, one of the Facebook pages locally. And then I texted a few of my friends. One was a, a doula friend and then a couple of girlfriends who actually just had babies just because they had connections. They had been around Kodiak longer looking for donor milk, finding anybody who might either have connections or resources or know somebody. And there was a lady, it was one of my doula friends and one of her, one of her really close friends happened to be a milk mom, like major milk mama. And she had all this milk that she was willing to give me. And you guys, we got something crazy, like, like 175 bags that were filled to the brim. I can't even believe I can't remember these details on some of this stuff, but like filled to the brim, like past like six ounces, they were big bags, 175 of them. I really wish that I, I'm sure somewhere I have written down what, how many ounces in total it was, but it was such a relief and took so much pressure off. And I have just never been able to thank this person enough for, for that. And I, they're just an angel. I mean, just a complete angel. And I also had a few other friends who just gave me whatever they could. Like they had just had babies and they just gave me whatever they could. And it was little, but it meant so, so much. And so I felt like I had all the support and then I felt like, okay, this is possible. Like we can do this. And so I continued to pump nonstop, of course, because the goal was still to get my supply back up so that I could feed and provide for miles all on my own. And the donor milk really 
made it possible for me to do that and also to finally have that relief to get some sleep. And so I remember there was a couple of days following this where I was still having issues sleeping. We ended up getting that that um, tincture from that lady, but I wasn't affording myself enough time to like fall asleep and then actually go into a nice sleep. We're talking like maybe I would have an hour to two hours at a time. And even at night, Miles was of course waking up a lot to nurse. And so my sister suggested that for a couple days in a row, I think it was two or three days, that I get four to five hour blocks and Cameron handles Miles and feeds him with a bottle and I just concentrate on really trying to rest and give my body the break and reprieve that it needed so that it had the energy and the capacity to respond to what I was doing to get my supply back up. And so that's what we were doing. And this is actually when things got really, really hard because, of course, Miles started to prefer the bottle. And so latching became more of an issue and latching for a period of time became more of an issue. And we fell into this pattern, I think, just unconsciously that he was just getting the bottle a lot more and I was just pumping my life away and I wasn't concentrating so much on, on latch. The focus really became my supply. And it feels like a in the time, like when you're in it, it felt like a lifetime, but it probably was only a week and a half or like two weeks where that was the case. And then eventually we started to, I started to really, really work on getting Miles back to the boob. And we still had the nipple shield because I kind of felt like, okay, he's been used to this bottle, this plastic. My best bet right now probably is to just use a nipple shield and then try to get rid of the nipple shield later. Again, wishing I hadn't done that, but it's just, it is what it is. And so that's what the journey after that came. So we're probably close to two months old. Well, a month and a half, a little over a month and a half now and still getting my supply back up. We're definitely seeing an increase from that. Things are starting to get better, but we're still heavily using the donor milk that we received. And so timeline-wise, at the that one and a half month mark is when I started working really hard and getting miles back to the breast. And that was really, really difficult. It was incredibly frustrating. He just he just didn't want to. And I feel it's like I can't blame him. And so I ended up using a supplemental system because he wasn't getting anything at the boob. And so to try and coerce him, right, to, to so he could have some kind of reward. I don't know if you guys, I can't think of what these things are called, but I use the supplemental system. It's like a, it's a bottle. It's like an upside down, like almost like a lotion bottle, like an old school lotion bottle. It's at, and it's around a necklace. And it has these really, really fine long tubes that come out of it that are basically what the baby would get the milk from. And so to get the setup, I would have to put the necklace on, adjust it just so, tape the necklace to my, my body, to my boob. I would have to tape the tubes so perfectly, right, so that they would stream correctly and so that it wouldn't be in the way of miles and so they would be easier to work with with this nipple shield. And what I would do is I would slip it, I would try to latch miles and then I would <laughs> slip this tiny tube in into the nipple shield so that when he started to latch and suck, he would get this milk. And this was a crate, like this took so so much patience and it was really hard. And of course, finally, after practice, you get you get the hang of it. And that's when things started to look up a little bit for getting him back in the boob. So he had this reward. And eventually, the goal was to 
get rid of the bottle and doing the supplementing. And so, and to really get him back on just the boob without it. So I tried everything. I mean, I remember trying to take the nipple shield off and then getting him to latch and then like slipping the the supplemental tube like inside of his mat his mouth his latch without the shield and we got to a point where that would kind of hit or miss would work and then from there was just trying to get him to latch without any of those things as hard as everything was these were really emotional moments because I felt like okay my supply was doing well I was getting a lot more from the pump I was able to you know the the majority of the milk we were giving miles was my own and maybe just like half a bag or a bag of the supplemental feeding donor milk from 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 the donor from that incredible lady and so I felt like we had made all this headway and this was kind of the last thing, right? Was to get to finally get him just to latch on the boo without the shield, without the supplement. And I remember being up really late nights and Cameron helping me like standing behind me and trying to help me position Miles and make sure I had everything right, trying to get Miles on and he would kind of just bob off and, you know, wasn't recognize it and it felt like we were forcing it. Like I was I wanted it so hard and you're forcing and you're still exhausted. Like, let's just admit, like I'm doing all these things. Cameron is, of course, amazing and is there for support, but still so, so tired and just so, so frustrated, like so, so frustrated. I remember these are like one of those really hard moments. You remember and you're like, what? (laughs) They're ingrained in my brain. But I remember one day. Cameron was doing like maybe getting stuff ready for us in the kitchen. I can't even remember now, but he was like in the kitchen and I had been like walking and rocking and trying to get Miles to latch on the boob and he wouldn't. And I was just in this most, I think probably just the like vulnerable and fragile state where I just was like fine. And I took him over to his, his, swing and I put him in there and I walked over to this like bar area in the kitchen and I just took my hand and I screamed like I'm I'm done like I'm over it I'm done and I just took my hand and I I swept everything off the the top of the counter and ended up hitting Cameron with you know like those um canteen like coffee, like the the really hard, like metal ones. It was like the cup that twists off that that you would use to actually drink that. So it's like metal with hard plastic inside of it. And as I swept through everything off the counter, that ended up hitting Cameron in the head who had been like bent over with the, the refrigerator door open looking in there. And I just broke down and I remember looking up at him like, oh crap, like I didn't mean to hit you. And he got just without even shutting the refrigerator door just gave me these eyes of honey and just walked over to me and just hugged me and we just just held each other for a long time and then (laughs) we definitely made light of the moment and was like I think I have a bump on my head and sure enough he did so we had a little laugh and of course went over and got miles and just held him but It was definitely in those moments and those were the days I think it wasn't building my supply up and it wasn't that exhaustive cycle. It was like those were the moments of trying to get like we had come so far and now he didn't want to go back to this thing that he loved so much in the beginning. And I just I kind of thought that there was many times I thought that was the end of the road. Like, what else am I going to do? You know, can we get past this? Can we get through this? And we're right around the two month mark. 
And I remember Cameron on multiple occasions at this point, you know, saying things like, babe, like, you've done amazing. You're doing amazing. Like, you don't have to keep doing this. You know, you've gone a lot farther than a lot than many would. And I was getting the same message from my sister. You know, you don't have to do this, but get through today, wake up tomorrow morning, and then you can make a decision. And, you know, every single day, that's what it was. It was like every day I would maybe, maybe I would have one decent day or one day where there was a glimmer of hope. And then the next day would be another really bad day. And I just had to take it day by day of just, this is really what you want. This is what you're working so hard for. You've come this far. And I remember just having all these kind of dream images in my head of what could come if maybe I just held on and kept fighting through it. And I got really similar messages from Heather from the lactation consultant, Kodiak, because she would, you know, come and do home visits and I would go to visit her and we were doing transfer weight and just checking on things and things were looking better. And she actually had told me that she had been sharing my story with a lot of other moms because of how incredible she thought it was, which was so amazing and reassuring and um, incredible to hear because I don't think you, you definitely, I definitely wasn't thinking at the time that this was an incredible story and that I was doing a great job. I think I still felt like I was still failing and I was still like on this really hard road that didn't really feel like there was any kind of an end to it. And to hear her say that she was using me as an example or just as a hope, a hope story, I think was incredibly reassuring and gave me this probably additional boost that I needed to to keep at it. And so I did. We did keep at it. And I remember by the time Cameron's mom came to visit, which she came right at my birthday, which would have been at the end of July. So Miles was born. So she came right at that two-month mark, right at. And that's when I finally was able to get him to latch. I was still pumping, but I was able to get him to latch and I wasn't having to use the shield anymore. And I was able to nurse him at night and it was so much easier. And then, so as we're getting him on this latch and getting him back on the boo, while he was while he was getting milk and he was getting the weight and he seemed to be doing okay, okay, I think there was also this fear that he still wasn't efficiently transferring milk because he was clamping. So you guys, thankfully he didn't have teeth, but he was biting. And so then there was this, so after I finally get him back on the boo, like, actually get him back on the boo to be able to feel his latch and be able to see what's going on to feel what's going on. He was clamping. So I would take him off and I would see like these indented gum lines and my nipple would be shaped different, different ways. And so then it hurt. It was like, it was painful for sure. But it's crazy because my boob just like kind of got used to it. But I fought, like I just, I just grin and bear it through that because I think I thought, I don't even care. He's on the boob. We'll fix this. And so I did. I worked with Heather a lot and with my sister a lot on trying different things. And I mean, we went through this forever. And sometimes it seems like it would get a little bit better. And then other times he would definitely be clamping. And we checked him for tongue ties and all sorts of things. And he didn't seem to have any of those. It was just this thing that he probably had, like he had probably learned to clamp. This is how he was nursing almost the entire time. But because of the nipple shield, and all these other interferences, like, you know, we, I don't think we had tapped into that. And so that was really the first time we really learned exactly like what he was doing. And so 
like I said, I graded Barrett through a really long time and we would go in and out of times where it would get better. And I remember there being multiple occasions where Heather would come because I'd be bawling my eyes out like, I don't know what else to do. I don't know how to fix this. I cannot fix this. Can you please come over and help me and watch and just give me other suggestions? And she would. And we have very similar conversations like, you don't have to continue to do this if this is painful for you, if this isn't enjoyable. But I kept on and there were these incredibly, like these, the moments that I had imagined in the midst of all this. So even though it was painful and even though it wasn't perfect, I remember us going camping with Cameron's mother when she came to visit and then also when Cameron's brother and his wife and their family came to visit and going camping and sitting in the sun and sitting in this chair with Miles and him nursing and it just being so incredibly beautiful. And, you know, obviously it takes a couple months before they really start kind of looking at you and really connecting with your eyes. And he, he, we had these amazing moments where he did this. I remember this one particular moment laying on the couch in the evening, Cameron was in the kitchen cooking and I was nursing miles and we had been playing some music and he's nursing and he's still got my nipple in his mouth and he kind of just looks up like open, like partly open mouth and smiles at me and just gives me the space like, like, yeah, mom, this was it. Like, this is what we were working for. And he was just blissfully happy. And I remember calling Cameron over like, watch him. Like, <laughs> oh. and then, you know, we would, tra we traveled a little bit. I remember we took this trip because one of my closest friends from Kodiak actually was getting married and she was getting married in another state. And then we coupled that with going home for a visit. And I remember, you know, we were on the plane and and so and takeoff and throughout the flight. And then, of course, on landing, I got to nurse him. And those were things too, those conveniences. And I don't know, like definitely conveniences, but also just really amazing moments. Like I felt so proud to be nursing in public. And so having that, it was, those were just additional reassurances of why we had worked so hard. And I want to say that that was at like, that was like at the month four mark. And so because we were working on things, because his latch wasn't perfect and probably because he had, we had to nurse a lot for him to get what he needed. He nursed a lot. <laughs> like he was on my boob a lot. And also I didn't mind because to me that we, I wanted that. I, I loved it. Then so we were nursing a lot and I think gradually things just started to get a tiny bit better. And then he would, you know, he would clamp every now and then. And then you guys, at like six months, he stopped clamping. He stopped biting down. And we just had this beautiful, this beautiful latch and he, it felt good. And it was, I remember there being like a straight, you know, week or so of it and being like, oh my gosh, like this is what it's supposed to feel like. Like my boobs didn't hurt as bad. They didn't pulse when he got done nursing. And you just felt like it was a miracle. Legit, it was like just one day, six months, it just, he just figured it out. He just figured it out. And we ended up nursing until he was 21 months old. And, you know, at the end, of that, of course, you know, he's eating solids and stuff by now. But at the end, we were, we were nursing. It's like nursing, you know, in the morning and nursing at night. And then probably at least once during the day when he was upset or even maybe just bored or, you know, just wanted a little bit of some connection and love. And of course, by now he's like an acrobat. And so things have definitely started to get a little tricky. But because we weren't nursing as often, my supply at that point really felt like 
like there really wasn't a whole lot there. I, I, I don't remember tracking letdowns, but I remember feeling like there really just wasn't anything left. And of course my boobs were like no longer large at all. <laughs> Deflated into these bags. <laughs> and so it, we're in March, he's 21 months and my dad ended up getting into the hospital and eventually passing. But I ended up leaving to, to go to Texas to be there with him and uh, my family for about a little over a week. And yeah, it was a really emotional time because COVID had just hit. I was like trying to make the decision of whether I was going to fly or drive. And that felt really nerve wracking and getting there, making sure I got there on time. And thankfully I got there when I did. We went to go get a rental car. And I remember nursing Miles for the very last time in the back of our car before I took off. And, you know, there were so many other emotions going on. I was so stressed and frantic and emotional. And I feel like I look back on that moment and I felt like I really didn't take it in. I couldn't maybe take it in and have the capacity to do so as much as I probably would have liked to given the circumstances. But you know, I think back on it a lot and it really was a, he was very calm and, you know, at 21 months, they're, they're very aware of your emotions. And I remember just how calm he was and kind of looking up at me and the goodbyes. And it didn't really hit me that it was the last time when I left. But when I got back from that trip, he wanted a nurse the next morning. So I got home in the afternoon and the next morning, you know, I go to get him out of his crib and he wanted a nurse. And I thought, let's try, like, you know, let's try. And he latched on and it was so painful. It was crazy. It was like, I had never been nursing, you know, the, the buildup of that, <laughs> that toughness was just gone and it hurt. He was obviously, there was nothing to get. And so I realized that that time was definitely the last time. And so that is my story. That was incredibly long, but it's a long one because there's a lot of these details in these parts and it was a long battle and it was a long fight. But, you know, I do feel like in the end, what we did was the right thing because even though for three months, it was really, really hard for the leather three months, you know, up to six months, it was it was hard, but there was so much beauty and it was like we were constantly getting these like little bits of pieces of of, of rewards of, of why we were doing it. And there was so much convenience to it at the time. And then, you know, after a six month mark, the entire, you know, rest of that 21 months was really incredible, like really incredible. You guys, I nursed him hiking up a mountain. I, I nursed him on mountaintops. I loved going to bed and nursing him and co-sleeping and having that. And man, that made sleep so much easier. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I loved waking up in the morning and that being the very first thing we did. It was just quiet time to ourselves, no other distractions, just staring into each other's eyes and and the affection that's there. And I'm so thankful for it. And, you know, in the grand scheme, it was so hard, but it was so, so worth it. And so, you know, that's my story. My story is, while I know that I might seem like a cuckoo crazy person, you know, it was the right decision for me and we got a lot from that. And so I'm really, really thankful that I stuck to it. And I'm just so, so appreciative and thankful for the support that I had from Cameron and from Alicia and from Heather and from all my girlfriends who helped with, you know, Jack's taking Jack's on walks to just being there for an ear and support. And I, 
I just really hope that my story does give somebody else hope. If you're dealing, if you're in, in this situation and this is something that you really, really want, know that I'm sure it'll get hard before it gets better, but it is worth it. Like if you want to hold out and you want to be the crazy person like me, it really is worth it. There is something incredibly rewarding and beautiful at the end for you. And if that's really what you want, just make sure that you have people there to support you, have the right team behind you if you can. And if you don't have support, find support, find, find your Heather, find your Alicia, find your girlfriend's and tell them what's going on and how they can help because I think that really does make or break things. And I love you all dearly and I hope that that didn't just feel like a huge rambling session. (laughs) I hope there was a lot of good, valuable tidbits in there and that it was maybe inspiring or at least just felt like you now know a little bit into a breastfeeding story that kind of go horribly wrong, but really has a beautiful, happy ending. All right, guys, I want you to stay tuned for the next episodes coming up because we have Alicia, my sister again, the lactation consultant, and we are going to be talking all things preparing you for your breastfeeding journey, what you can do to prepare in prenatal, and what is normal. What are the things that are normal? What are the things to look out for? What's not normal? We want you to feel like you're going into breastfeeding, whether it's your first baby or it's your second baby and you want things to be different. We want you to feel fully equipped and ready to take this beautiful part of your motherhood journey on. So stay tuned. That'll be next Thursday. All right. All my love. Bye. Hey mamas, before you peace out, if what you just heard inspired you, made you feel like you've got a new BFF, or simply reminded you of another mama, please share this episode or the podcast and be sure to tag me if you share it on social. My hope is to touch as many of you as possible and drive this mama-led movement. If you're with me, and I know that you are, please take a minute and leave a review. Hearing from you makes my heart so happy and your review could encourage another mama in need to hop on this journey with us. So let's make a pact. I'll bring the fire and in return, you help me strengthen our mama collective so we may together make the transformation from messy to truly inspired. Let's get it, mama.